The preseason is in the books for the Pittsburgh Steelers. 3-0 and for the second consecutive year. What does that mean for the regular season? Well, that's the big question. That's what we're going to be talking about. Hey, folks, it's Brian Anthony Davis and Kevin Smith. It is Here We Go, the Steelers show. And, man, we are loving it. Kevin, what is going on as we're nearing the end of August and the start of the regular season? That's exciting, man. So so by my math, that means we only have six more consecutive undefeated preseasons to go to tie Baltimore streak. So that's something to look forward to, right? Six straight undefeated regular seasons in a row. Yeah, because you know what? Here's the thing. I am one of those guys that, well, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I don't really care about that streak whatsoever in Baltimore, but I live in Maryland and they made a big deal about that thing here. <laughs> and that's absolutely ridiculous. It is not about a preseason streak. It is There's- a really wild. If you think about it, first of all, to win 24 games in a row. in Yeah. I mean, to 24 games in a row in any circumstance is pretty wild. Uh, preseason, regular season, baseball, basketball, whatever. Uh, that, that to me is going to be one of the more interesting uh, you know, I, will that ever be broken? Nobody's ever going to confuse it with Joe DiMaggio's 56-game hitting streak. But at the same time, you think to yourself, boy, that's a lot of preseason games to win in a row. Yeah, it it really is. You know, I, I, you know, I mean, it's great, but what does it mean when when you're uh, you're struggling to win a game? But here I am on the other end, actually watching the end of the Washington-Baltimore game to watch them lose and hope they lose. So just so they can stop talking. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes getting your, the team you like the least to just shut up is worth your attention. And especially when you live in the same state. <laughs> so yeah, yes, I, I'm sure you, I'm sure you know what that's like being close. Last year might've been a little tough for you with a, uh, a lot of Philadelphia Eagles fans, even though you're not in the same state, but you're in that same vicinity, you're in that market. So I I understand that. I know you have friends. I have friends that are Ravens fans, but when they're talking about this constantly, it's like, oh, stop. <laughs> so let's do it. Let's uh, well, let's get on with there's it. There's a lot of football to talk about now, though. So this is this is great. We're at the end of this end of the regular. Yes, sir. Let's do it. So we well, yeah, have yeah, we had some interesting we stuff going on in our on our field this weekend, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to hear all about that. And that's what we're going to talk about. Before we do that, I got to talk about week one real quick and attending a week one game. You know, how awesome would that be to actually go to a game? Week one, any game you wanted to week one. What do you think? Would that be fun? I know. I think I know where you're headed on this one, Brian. You you know exactly where I'm headed. So... (laughs) What I'm looking for is simply this. You go to fansfirstsports.com and check this out because there's an opportunity for you and three friends, family members, anybody that you want to go ahead, go to a game week one anywhere in the NFL universe. You have an opportunity courtesy of Fans for Sports up to, get this, $5,000. What do you think about that? That's a heck of a giveaway. You got an yeah, opportunity I'd... to attend the game of your choosing for uh, a market value of five thousand dollars. You're going to get amazing seats. That's phenomenal. Yeah. So, All right, so what do you got to do? What do you got to do to win them? Rules are simple. Go to contest.fansforsports.com and fill out the appropriate information. That's it. Once you've done that, you've been officially registered to win the four free tickets to any Week One NFL game. Look, don't wait on this. You know, I expect you probably to want to go to Pittsburgh to see the San Francisco 49ers without a Bosa. That's fine. We don't need a Bosa to enjoy that game because it's going to be a lot of fun. So don't wait. Go enter for your shot at seeing your favorite team in action. Contest ends on September 4th. Now, Kevin Smith, you cannot sign up. Tony, right now. Disappointing. That's disappointing, but I understand. I get it. We don't want to. We don't want to be accused of any any shady business here. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you can't, but I'm hoping a Steeler fan wins it. A Broncos fan could win it. A 49ers fan could win it. They uh, they would have to come to Pittsburgh, though, because there's not an opening game in San Francisco. You know, up to $5,000. Those are pretty good seats, too, that you could find for that. So I am loving it. I, I can't wait for everybody to sign up. Uh, you go ahead and check it out and check out FFSN. That's Fans for a Sports Network for all of not just your favorite team's needs, but maybe the competition's the competition information as well. So get on that. And if, if you want to talk hockey, you want to talk WWE, you want to talk NBA or soccer or college sports, it's all on there too. MLB, yeah, everything. So, Kevin, I, I get my Pirates news on there. I get my WWE news on there. I I get all of that. So it's it's fantastic. If you're a Steeler fan, but you have other interests, and everybody does, you know they do. That's what Fans for Sports Network is all about. For the fans, by the fans. Yeah, phenomenal stuff. My son's a big a big WWE guy, and he was very excited to know that we we're we're now covering wwe that was he was like oh dad that's a great move by you guys he he's he is going to love the show that's coming up to uh with shakes montana we'll talk about all that just check everything out but you know what i tell you what there was some week one going on <laughs> yesterday and we're talking about getting a chance to go to a fantastic venue to watch a football game well kevin you were at an amazing venue for an amazing kickoff to the high school season yesterday and let's talk about that because if you don't win the tickets to this you could go to another fantastic venue and it's just right in ocean city maryland <laughs> ocean city new jersey but uh, now, yeah. oh my gosh that's did our, i just say that's our rival oh. ocean city maryland's our rival we're rival oh rival i'm ocean city. so sorry uh gosh i would cut that out but you know what i have to own that so i'm not cutting that's that okay. out i'm just gonna apologize <laughs> i've well, never we, done so that we run this really we, we run this really cool uh, event called Battle at the Beach, which is like 11 games over three days on our on our field in Ocean City. Our field's really a unique venue. It's it's the field is literally situated about 100 yards from the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, and and so we opened our season Friday night and that was pretty cool. We had, <clears throat> we had an exciting win where our starting quarterback got hurt on the second play of the game. So that I mean, when your starting quarterback goes down on the second play of the game. That is very discouraging. And he hung in for a couple series, uh, uh, but at halftime we realized that, you know, he couldn't go. And so we had to put in our backup and, and uh, you know, talk about, you got to be prepared when you get your shot. You never know when you're going to get your shot, you know, whether that's football or in life, uh, whatever it might be. And being prepared is such a under, I think, valued concept in, in life. And, and our backup quarterback, you know, we, we were behind six, nothing at the time. He led us to two, uh, two, Late touchdown drives. He threw the game-winning touchdown pass with about five minutes to go, and we rallied and we won. Uh, and it just was—it was really cool to, to see a young kid. He's a sophomore, never played a snap of varsity football in his life. Step in against a really good opponent uh, and just just be prepared. And that was that was really exciting. But then on Saturday night, uh, IMG Academy, the number three ranked high school team in the country played St. Joe's prep out of Philly, the number 10 uh, ranked team in the country. And it was carried live on ESPN two. And that was an amazing thing to watch. I mean, there were about 12,000 people in attendance. I mean, the place was absolutely packed and just future NFL players all over the field. Right. I mean, the, the, uh, the IMG running back is the number one running back in the country. He's going to Texas. The, the defensive end committed to uh, Oklahoma at halftime. Uh, on a little live thing the the defensive awesome. back number 14 for IMG is the number one recruited player in the entire nation. He's going to Georgia. He ran a punt back for a touchdown and had an interception and was just an amazing to watch. So the collection of talent on the field and the event itself was just really uh, thrilling to watch. And we were just really proud to be a part of it. And it was, it was pretty cool to watch to come home later after I DVR it and watch it live on ESPN or watch it recorded. I should say. I was out to dinner and you even reminded me, but I did not get a chance to DVR it. Um, I'm still trying to figure out YouTube TV and recording stuff now that I'm getting ready for the NFL season. So I haven't really <laughs> figured that out yet, but I'm going, I'm, I know I will be able to find a replay online and you know, get a chance to check that out. That's Kevin Smith. That is where 
he has coached for what 10 plus years well 30 years i mean the head coach for, i guess this is year 13 as the head coach but it's 30 okay. years altogether yeah. i was talking about head coach wow yeah 13 now and visually, it is a beautiful, it, it is just a beautiful facility. You're 100 yards from the ocean. You have the uh, Ferris wheel in the background. I mean, 100 yards from the Atlantic Ocean. It is just, uh, I've seen pictures of it when I first started talking to Kevin. That was his uh, avatar on Zoom when we would go ahead and do this. And I would just stare into that the entire show. and like, man, I wish I was there right now. <laughs> so, uh you know, definitely check that out. I'm still going to get to a game one of these ga- one of these days, Kevin. I know. I keep telling you, you're going to be the hype man, man. You're going to, you know, you're going to come and <laughs> break everybody down. I'm fully expecting you to rip your shirt off and do some kind of Hulk pose. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you gonna do, Ocean City Raiders? Uh, so, all right, let's let's right, do this. Let's talk Steelers, man. Let's talk Steelers. Yeah, and let's let's segue to the preparation thing because. That's something that we've seen. That's something we've seen in the past. And preparation and depth is a key. And do you feel that the depth on this Pittsburgh Steelers team is one of the finest you've seen in a long, long time here as being a fan? Now, I'm not saying better than the 70s, but I, I think that there's not much of a drop off with some of these positions. I'll be really interested to see when some of these depth players start to play against so-called varsity competition, right? Like you think about a guy like Nick Herbick, he is dominating, absolutely dominating uh, against the competition that he's played against. And he's starting to play against some better players. And when you look at him, it, it really looks like what he's doing is going to translate to uh, the field when he's playing against the team starters, because he, I was watching his, just his repertoire of pass rush moves in that preseason game against Atlanta the other night. And it's already really nuanced. You know, initially he just looked like a speed rusher to me. And I thought, oh, well, he's going to struggle against the longer and more experienced guys who can can take that away. But he's not just a speed rusher. He's got some really quick counter moves that are going to make him very, very effective, I think, just about against anyone. So I'm really excited to see that. You, You look at Calvin Austin. He looks like a guy who against the lesser competition he's been up against is just is no match for them. He's just running by people, whether it's on punt returns or at wide receiver or on jet sweeps, whatever. And I'm eager to see him when teams are game planning for him and are, are, are prepared for what he does. Can he still do that? And it feels like he's going to be able to, not simply because he's a physically gifted guy, but because the depth around him, like you mentioned, will force teams to have to account for all these other options, right? So if you're if Nick Herbig's in the game opposite an Alex Highsmith or opposite a TJ Watt, it's now giving him an opportunity to operate in an advantageous situation, as well as with Calvin Austin. And when you look at all the weapons the Steelers have on offense, it's going to be hard to take them all away if you can get Austin matched up one-on-one. It puts him in a great spot. So yeah, that depth, is really giving the Steelers the ability now to sort of isolate players in situations where they can succeed. And it's been a while since we could have said that. Well, let me ask you a question. I'm going to talk more about depth, but you just brought up Calvin Austin, the third, and we have, we've talked about other players that have looked good in the preseason. Uh, Two punters have looked absolutely fantastic. Not just uh, Brayden Mann, but, uh, Percy Harvin as well, and it and Braden Mann survived the first round of cuts, which eight on Saturday, and there's some potential that some other teams are interested in him. That's why you might see him stick around a little bit longer to see if you could possibly uh, get a seventh round pick out of the guy, and that's something that is being speculated out there. But we also talked about Calvin Austin. You have different players, so my question to you is. Special teamers probably have the easiest time in preseason because their game, would you say that their game does not translate to the competition as any other position, any other skill position, any other defensive position? What what I'm saying is it's basically their talent that's showcased because when you think about a punter, they're punting the ball. The only thing that's going to change is the fact that they are, 
the fact that uh, they're not, they might not seeing as much of a rush. But when we're talking about special team units, that's usually second and third team guys out on the field anyways, even in the regular season. So a talent like a punter or a talent like CA3 is probably going to translate a whole lot better. And that's what's going on in my head, Kevin. But you are you are the uh, the professor here and the coach. So let me know if I'm off base here. No, you're right. You've got a specialist who's performing the thing that they're a specialist at, whether it's punting, kick returning, whatever it might be, with a, a largely uh, kind of loosely assembled cast. Many of whom, many of those guys are not going to stick around or make the 53-man roster. But that goes both ways. Like you think about it for Calvin Austin, you say, well, he's, he's returning punts against a bunch of guys who probably aren't going to make an NFL roster, and it'll look very, very different during the regular season. But, but he's also uh, being provided blocking by a bunch of guys who are not necessarily going to make it uh, on, on the roster either. So he, he, he doesn't have his A-team in front of him, just like he's not going up necessarily against the A-team. And I'll say this about the punt returns. Austin's broken two big ones already in the preseason. And on both of those, the blocking was excellent. It was set up well. And the thing that I really noticed in on both of those returns, there was a Steeler player coming down the field. And I can't remember who it was exactly. I think it was number 40 in, in one of the games. I can't remember the other one. Uh, and in both instances, he had an opportunity to, to make a, a block uh, that probably would have helped Austin, but was definitely going to be a block in the back. And in, in both instances, they did not make that block. And so the discipline because you see that all the time, right? In the regular season, how many times you just see a dude just like bury a guy in the back, right? There's just, there's just this, whether it's a, a lack of discipline or a lack of positioning or whatever it might be, there's just a ton of penalties on special teams. And I'd be willing to bet, I don't know this for a fact, but I would be willing to bet that Danny Smith has emphasized to his unit, do not make that extra block. Because Calvin Austin can make guys miss in space. If, if it comes down to you putting your hands on a guy in a questionable position that could potentially draw a flag, or you just peeling off and letting Austin deal with him one-on-one, peel off. Because he might not need the same kind of blocking that a Gunnar Olszewski would need simply because of his explosiveness. So I was, I've was i been impressed with the discipline that the special teams unit has shown, even if those special teamers might not be guys who make the roster. Kevin, I have never, never in my wildest dreams would I ever think about that. And that is absolutely amazing. This is what you get on this show. Here we go, the Steelers show. So Kevin, fantastic. Not making that extra block. And you know what? I am going to regurgitate that like crazy, but I'm going to give you credit for it. But that is amazing because I I never, I, I would never think of that. So that's so very true. I'm picturing the whole thing in my head and the guy that you're talking about was David Perales the uh linebacker number 40 who who uh, would have made that block and when I'm watching Calvin Austin I was thinking all the time I'm like when's the flag gonna fly I mean like I I would actually you know I was holding my breath when he runs because I'm so used to watching Pittsburgh Steeler returns not do that well so if you don't have to give this guy the help then that's that's absolutely phenomenal so with that being said, we need to talk about depth at every single position. That's something we're going to do. And we're going to do that when we come back. So stick around. It's Here We Go, the Steelers show from Steel Curtain Network. All right, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, we are back. The Pittsburgh Steelers were 3-0 in the preseason. Does that matter? No, absolutely does not. But it also feels good when they win a game and they show off the the great caliber of play that they that they did. You know, 
one of the greatest quotes out of this week, and it's going to last a long time. But Mike Tomlin is getting a lot of a lot of kudos for the comment, and I said this right away when I heard it. I did the post game wrap up, but you cannot box without sparring, and he justified playing those players. We have heard from Ben Roethlisberger because Ben seems to uh, keep bringing stuff up. I don't know whether it's just a way to keep stay in the media to uh, stay relevant, but he keeps on he keeps on criticizing and he criticized Mike Tomlin before this game of not playing all of it, you know his starters more, his first team offense more. Kevin, do you think it's been a pretty good mix? for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And have we seen basically what we need to see out of Kenny Pickett and company? Well, Kenny Pickett got five drives over three preseason games that as we, I think most Steelers fans know resulted in five touchdowns. And that's really a remarkable statistic, right? When you think about that, like a perfect five for five, five touchdowns. And it wasn't like he was gifted the ball, in great field position on every one of those, a couple of them in good field position, but a 92 yard 80 plus yard drives, yeah, 90 yard drive, et cetera. So, uh, I think, I think maybe had he struggled a little bit more, they, they probably would have given him some more reps. But, but I'm guessing with that, what they saw out of Kenny Pickett convinced them that he's ready to go, that they saw enough of him. Like, I'll give you an example, right? On the first drive against Atlanta the other night. The Steelers are, I think, are backed up in bad field position. They had a kick return. McFarland brought it out from like seven yards deep in the end zone, which I'm sure in the regular season he's not going to do. But it's preseason. Try to, you know, you know, let's let's see how we execute our blocking. Like, you know, they're probably telling him, "Hey, unless unless you're at the back line of the end zone, bring it out so we can execute our scheme." But of course, it doesn't go well. They they wind up buried deep. It's third and five from about their own fifteen or so, somewhere in, in there. Uh, and, you know, you get used to just sort of thinking like, hey, you're going to see some kind of fairly conservative sticks route, some kind of route where they're going to pick up, try and pick up five, six, seven yards in the passing game, quick out, slant, hitch, something like that. But the Steelers get press coverage. They get into a three by one set with Deontay Johnson on the backside and they get press coverage from Atlanta and, you know, pick it checks to uh, a, a takeoff route by Deontay Johnson. He runs the vertical route. Uh, he creates some separation. Pickett puts the ball perfectly on the money. They pick up about 30 yards. Uh, and it's just that kind of stuff, right? That not only is a uh, he being given the freedom to make that check, because I guarantee that wasn't the play design. I, I guarantee that that was a check based on the coverage that they were getting. Um, but they trust him to make the throw. And when he's doing those sorts of things, they, they're, they're probably saying to themselves, hey, this is the kind of stuff we're going to do in the regular season. And he's mastering that. And plus they get to see him every day in practice. So I, you know, you could make an argument that, uh, that maybe five drives isn't enough. Maybe he needed to play a little bit more, but it's interesting. You and I were talking before the show about Ben Roethlisberger's criticisms. I mean, you got, you know, you got to, got to consider the source a little bit. Here's Ben Roethlisberger who, uh, Oh, you know, enjoyed his veterans days off, didn't didn't practice on Wednesdays and rarely played in the preseason. And maybe he felt like he he reached a point in his career where he earned that. And Kenny Pickett as a rookie just needs the reps. But I try not to listen to too many of Ben's off the field comments because I love him so much as a player. And his what he what he has to say beyond the field uh, doesn't always thrill me. So I try not to let it tarnish my my thoughts on him. I think that is one of the uh, nicest ways to put it and uh, <laughs> eloquence from the coach, KT Smith. You know, I've, uh, I, I do want to bring something up and I never challenge you, but I, this is going to be a slight challenge. It's not like a complete red flag. Maybe it's a corner of a red flag, but was there only really four? Could we only really consider it four drives? Because when the first play of the one drive against Buffalo is a 62, 63-yard touchdown by Jalen Warren, does that is that really – I mean, Kenny gets credit for it because he led a scoring drive because he may have called that play. You, you know, I don't know. But what I do know is that uh, – is that what people are talking about when – did he get the, the work that he needs to with that one drive being – just being a quick score. 
But Warren's touchdown, his long run came on like the sixth or seventh play of a drive. Oh, I'm the, sorry. The I one play the drive play of the drive. Yeah, the one play drive was the long pass to Austin. And, oh, okay. and that's, you know, that's him. That's still, that's Pickett executing it. So whether he executes it in one play uh, or, or in eight or nine plays, yeah, he's getting the ball into the end zone. So <laughs> I think, okay, I don't yeah. think it had, I don't think it has to do with volume. I think it has to do with efficiency. Like what, did they see what they wanted to see from him? Did they, you know, he was so efficient in his reps uh, that I think that they felt as though there, there really wasn't a need for him to do more. I mean, he was 13 out of 15 for 199 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and a perfect passer rating. And obviously, if he plays more, then those numbers are going to go down. You're not going to sustain that kind of success across a broader sample. But again, man, if you if 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 they feel as though that he did all the things that they were looking for, then then get him out. Then you know let let him let him sit on the sideline and. Uh, keep him healthy. I have no problem with it. Is there anywhere on the offense that depth concerns you whatsoever? Because for me, quarterback doesn't concern me. I'm perfectly happy with, I mean, I think you have one of the best number three quarterbacks in the game. If it's Mason Rudolph, I, I really don't think there's a, a QB three. That's going to be better. Uh, you know, when you look at the running backs, you're seeing Ant Mac do some things. Zazanian, uh, I, I, Zazavian Valade. I'm, I'm going to have trouble with that one. I, uh, but I, I hope I continue to have trouble with that because I hope he continues to be on the team because I, I think he has some spark, but he might not make the team. You have a guy like, uh, you have so many, you have so many tight ends. You have a guy in Rodney Williams that might have a shot at making the team now just for the fact that Zach Gentry is hurt. I don't think it's serious that he's hurt, but you you have some very interesting depth all the way around. Is there anywhere here, wide receivers or offensive line, that you feel like the depth is lacking? I mean, I don't think so. You get a little nervous about the guard position because Dotson's dinged up and Herbig's dinged up. Uh, and, you know, is, is Spencer Anderson – the swing guy there. I mean, if, if pressed into duty in week one, if Dotson and Herbig aren't good to go, is, is he okay to, to step on the field in a big game against a elite competition? As a Wait a second, are you, uh, are you talking Daniels? Yeah, I'm talking, Daniels? About the depth, I'm talking about the depth behind the starters, you know, Daniels and you have Daniels and, and say Amalo is your starters, but then you got Herbig and Dotson banged up. Okay. Oh, and all right. So right, if something happened to one of those guys, your third guy in right now is Spencer Anderson. And, and that makes you Yeah. And I, I don't think he's going to make the roster quite honestly, but um, so, yeah, I mean that, but you know, if one of those two guys gets healthy, right. If Daniels or Herbert gets healthy, then it's no problem. So, I mean, really, you're not, you're really not talking about any issues from a depth perspective on offense. Fantastic. Cause you know, I feel like the wide receiver, that unit is actually pretty solid too. A guy that that I don't think a lot of fans are excited about, but I was really impressed with Gunnar Olszewski as a receiver, especially battling at the end of the second at the end of the second quarter, battling for a first down from a ball thrown by Mitch Trubisky. I I thought it was really impressive. I think a guy like that, I think he could be a better version of what they had with Ryan Switzer. Yeah, I think Gunnar Olszewski's blocking makes him really valuable too. Um, he, I don't, you know, again, he's another one. I don't know if he's going to make the roster just because Calvin Austin ha- is doing uh, some of the return things that Olszewski does, and he's doing them better than Olszewski. But like Mike Tomlin loves Olszewski, Kenny Pickett loves Olszewski. He does the dirty work. Like I, I wrote a piece for uh, for the Steel Curtain Network w- uh, website about two weeks ago on the duo run play. Which is a which is a really physical downhill run play that the Steelers used to use all the time with Le'Veon Bell, and they got away from it for a couple of years because I don't think that they felt like they had, they had the personnel to execute it effectively. But in order to make it work, wide receivers have to block because a lot of times you run duo from a condensed formation, like a bunch set or maybe like a tight two by two set, and and it often requires the wide receiver to be responsible for blocking the box safety. And those, those box safeties are physical guys, right? 
Uh, and you, when the Steelers have, they've started running duo again this offseason, and they're running it very well. McFarland ran it for a touchdown in the preseason opener. I've seen Samuels busted a couple times, uh, or Warren, I'm sorry, uh, busted a couple times for some nice gains. And and one of the keys to making it work is Gunnar Olszewski because he comes down into the box and he battles with the safeties. He is willing to get in there uh, and go blow for blow with them in the box. And, and there, there aren't a whole lot of receivers who are willing to do that. So, you know, maybe maybe they can decide if they don't want to keep Olszewski that Miles Boykin can do that because he's another physical guy and he's obviously a lot bigger. But Gunnar Olszewski adds a lot of little things, a lot of little elements uh, to a roster that makes you want to keep him. So I'm kind of hopeful that they can find a, a way. I think the problem will be that they're going to keep four tight ends, which they usually don't do, or three tight ends and the list Connor Hayward is fullback. But either way, you slice that. If they keep three running backs and four tight ends, that might mean that they only have five receivers. And if it's five receivers, I think Olszewski's out. Yeah, I uh, I think he possibly could be. I, I'm leaning towards – I'm actually putting my money that – that he does stick around. Uh, you know, so with that being said, let's go to the defense. Carl Dunbar has come out and said, there's going to be a very high quality player on this defensive line cut and available for another team. Uh, you know, a lot of people, a lot of fans want to talk about trading a guy, but that just doesn't, uh, that's really hard to do, especially when a team knows that they could possibly get, get him when he gets cut loose, when that 53-man roster is down. Who do you think has the edge to stick and who might be on the uh, outside looking in with the red tag looming? Yeah, I think it's probably going to come down to one of the two free agent signings, either uh, Braden Fajoko or Armand Watts. And it's all going to be a question of style because Fajoko is more of a true nose, like a plugger. Um you know, not exactly a Casey Hampton, but he's but that's more his game is being able to play on the shoulder of the center and and you know anchor down that A gap and and be physical and not get moved off the ball. And Watts is a little bit more of your versatile guy who kind of moves about the line a little bit. Uh, he kind of can kick over to you know the three tech or even if they had to, they could play him as a five. Uh, I think the. I think the, the thing that, you know, is, is going to be the interesting question is this, like how much do they value Montrevious Adams? He's playing on the nose. Uh, how well, you know, is, is Keanu Benton progressing? I mean, they seem to love Keanu Benton. And you hear people talking all the time about, like, it's not a matter of if he becomes a starter, but just when. And, and you know, DeMarvin Leal's had a pretty good preseason. Isaiah Loudermilk's had his best preseason. Uh, obviously, you know, Ogan, Joby and Hayward are going to make the team. So, so the numbers right there are really sort of make it seem as though it's going to be a a question of, is it going to be Fajoko or Watts? And then that becomes a stylistic question is, do they want the nose guard type in Fajoko? And the answer there will be like, well, are they confident that Adams can anchor down that job and that Benton can play there if Adams isn't, or do they want the more versatile piece in, in Watts? I think the odds are stacked a little bit against Watts because Benton's so good. And he's, he's that versatile guy. He can play the one, the three, the five, if they need him to. Um, so I had to bet, I would bet that Watts is the odd man out. It, it seems about right. And it's a shame because he has uh, played very well and you have other players there too. I mean, I would love to see another year of Isaiah Loudermilk as well. I, I really like what I'm seeing of uh, Braden Fajoko. So there there's some, you know, it's a shame. And Dunbar's right. A good player's going to go. When we're looking at the big depth question, and for the longest time, and not just just the last, uh, not just the last six months, but even the last couple of years, basically since we lost Ryan Shazier to injury as fans of the Pittsburgh Steelers on December 4th, 2017, the depth at inside linebacker has been non-existent. And even the, uh, even the strength of the starters, you know, they try to bring so many guys in there. I mean, the John Bostics of the world, you know, they, they even drafted a Devin Bush who, uh, you know, I don't even know how to classify 
I still don't know how to classify his career because of that injury. But I do know that it has not been what they wanted. It kind of feels like the inside linebacker position was pieced together in the best possible way in a puzzle that fits. And now it seems pretty deep with not just Cole Holcomb, who a lot of people were down on him after the first preseason game and the second preseason game, they were like, wow, Cole Hol- Holcomb's for real. In the first preseason game, Quan Alexander was for real. And now in the third preseason game, E-Rob, Landon Roberts, he was all over the place. He was sticking people. Oh, you have guys, you have guys that could cover tight ends and cover receivers, drop into coverage. You have guys that can thump you. So, and we're not even talking about Marcus Robert Robinson, who still has uh, room to grow, and he's still learning that linebacker position because he was a converted running back. So with that, are you concerned about the depth of the inside linebackers anymore? Do you feel like this could actually be a strength of this team? No, I think it's a really good group for all the reasons you just stated stylistically. Holcomb's your all-around guy. Roberts is your downhill thumper. Uh, Alexander is a guy who plays sideline to sideline and can really cover. And Robinson, we know that he's uh, physical and fast, but he needs a little bit more time. And now as the fourth backer, he he gets that time. You know, he doesn't have to be pressed in into duty. And so, yeah, I, I love that unit right now. I, it was such a pleasure to watch Landon Roberts play the other night. He's such a he's such a professional. Like you're watching a guy who really knows his craft. He's not the most athletic guy in the world. He may get exploited a little bit trying to cover tight ends or backs. He might come off the field in those situations in favor of Alexander. Uh, that's fine. But man, on first and second down, if a team wants to run the ball, that dude is going to fit up. I mean, the moment, and granted, they're playing against Atlanta's second offensive line. And that and that line, they're making some big mistakes in their zone run game. And the biggest mistake they were making is they were getting hung up on the double teams on the down linemen. And the mo- but the moment that that Roberts like you know if he's reading like a double team between the guard and tackle on the three tech defender, that guard hung on the tackle hung on hung on the defensive tackle for a second too long. Landon Roberts was through the gap and into the backfield, and that's just like a guy who really knows his game, he knows his craft, um, and so they have uh, not only a great uh, sort of chemistry there at linebacker and and the mix, but they also have professionals. Uh, who really know that know what they're doing there? So, I I, th- I think like like you characterized it. It's become a strength, despite the fact that even, you know even six eight weeks ago we were talking about it as a weakness. Yeah, we we really were. So this is this is just amazing to me. I I absolutely love it. And we were also talking about the depth at outside linebacker, those edges that you know it was pretty scary because we saw what happens when you lose TJ Watt. And you still don't want to lose TJ Watt. But the drop-off is not as bad when you have a Marcus Golden and when you have a Nick Herbig, who people are calling a superstar uh, in the making. I'm not, We're all pumping our brakes on that. We know that you just explained that in the first half of the show with Nick Herbig. But it kind of makes you feel good that it seems a, he seems natural, though, too, that he can get that done like you said, against ones because of the way he moves. So that's a, that seems to be a natural spot for him. And this is a guy that we thought was just going to have to be a special teams demon. Now, if one of those guys, Highsmith or what, who are definitive starters, nobody's saying that any of these guys are going to take their job. But if one of those guys go down, you can feel a lot less worried, I guess you can say, but do you feel there's going to be more of a rotation now and more of a breather for these players? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Especially early in the season as they try to keep everybody fresh. And, uh, you know, the key is to get to December, a healthy football team playing your best football in December. And I think the opportunities that the Steelers have now to rotate guys, because, because Herbig is a really nice, complimentary backup piece to Watt stylistically and Golden's style mirrors Highsmith a lot better. So you have true backups for each. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that comfortable if the Steelers ran a heavy dose of like Highsmith and Golden because they're not uh, 
in the past, as, as far as pass rushing is concerned, because they're both stylistically pretty similar. And if you paired up Watt and and Herbig, again, they're both fairly similar, which isn't to say you can't make it work. It's just that what they have right now is a really good mix. I mean, I, if, if you're pairing Watt with Golden, that's a really nice mix stylistically. You got a more athletic edge rusher and a more physical one. If you're pairing up Highsmith with Herbig, same deal. So the combinations that the Steelers can work will lend themselves to having an active rotation. And that if they can, if you can take away wear and tear and keep guys healthy and, and you know, get to the stretch run, you know, we, we know the Steelers have a tough close to their season. Their hardest part of their schedule is in December. And if they can have everybody healthy because they were able to alleviate some of that wear and tear in September and October by rotating these guys, then phew, that's great. That really is. Let's talk about, We've already talked about the defensive line. There's depth there because we know that a good player is going to, you know, get removed from the team. Let's talk about the defensive backfield. Is that probably the scariest as far as depth goes? Because you've lost a few guys. You just cut two guys in the form of Madre Harper. And my gosh, I'm uh, uh, Neville. Um, Also Neville as well. I'm I'm blanking on on his first name, and I just talked about it in the breaking news podcast yesterday. Uh, with that, do you feel that you know there's there's not a lot of depth there, and that's probably the position where without with losing Corey Trice at the beginning of the year, even though he was a seventh round pick, do you feel like that's probably if you're going to add somewhere, you might add to the defensive backfield? Yeah, corner's the one spot, the one position group that where. When all the cuts get made, I think the Steelers will probably take a look at some veterans because, you know, you now you have Wallace uh, and Peterson probably as your starters, but the Steelers seem to really value wanting to use Peterson in a variety of roles, kicking him inside to the slot, maybe playing him at some safety, maybe, you know, kind of resembling late career Rod Woodson. And when, when they do that, then you're bringing in Joey Porter Jr., and that's fine. I mean, you got you got Porter and Peterson and, and and Wallace on the field together. You're solid, but beyond them, you're very thin, right? James Pierre is now your next guy, and I, I you know there's questions about how many how many snaps can he play before he get gets exploited, uh, and and then you're you know that's it. You're you're kind of you're kind of thin uh, beyond that. So I wouldn't be shocked to see them add a veteran once all the all the cuts are made. At the same time, if they don't. They do have three solid corners and they're fairly deep at safety. I think they've got three solid safeties. So you got six guys you can mix and you can match. They just need to stay healthy, right? So so again, this is a depth question in the event of injuries. I think they I think their first six are solid when you you know you factor in Fitzpatrick and Kazee and Keanu Neal at the safety position, add them to Peterson and Porter and Wallace. That's a pretty good six, but you're thin after that. So again, man, you may see some some uh, additions there. All right. Well, how are you feeling going into the regular season for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Oh my God, I can't wait. I, I I haven't been this excited about the Steelers in a long time. I I was excited last year because it was the first year in the post Ben Roethlisberger era, and it was it was more of like a curiosity, right? Oh, who are they going to be? And they had this new first round draft pick, but you knew he wasn't starting and Mitch Trubisky was starting and, you know, no offense to Mitch Trubisky, but it was, it was hard to be like super enthusiastic when you knew that Trubisky was kind of a placeholder. Uh, And you, you suspected maybe the Steelers would struggle last year. And they certainly did out of the gate before they put it all together. But this year it feels like this is a complete football team and the way they played in the preseason again, we all we all nuance that by saying eh, it's a preseason, but still the way they played in the preseason makes it look like or feel like they are a complete football team. And I'm not just talking about the players. It feels like the coaching staff, which has now been together, they've had the same co- head coaching coordinators now for three years. And don't underestimate the importance of that. Right, the the system is in place, and I think they now have the pieces to run the system. It feels like the Steelers are, are are a good football team, and and I'm excited to see if that rings true. I am too. I am absolutely elated. I cannot wait to see them start with San Francisco, and we know how Mike Tomlin starts off the season against very good teams. The last two seasons, 
my gosh, opening day against the Buffalo Bills and then the Cincinnati Bengals, both teams that were uh, one was in the Super Bowl, one was in an AFC championship game. So, you know, when you have when you're squaring off against those teams, you got to feel very good about the fact that he prepares better for week one than almost anybody. So they've been preparing for week one against San Francisco for a very long time. So I feel great as well. It's time to get on out of here. But before we do that, we always do due to the week. We are going to go ahead and select a player and we are going to select. Um, we're going to do a, a couple tributes and that's something that I'm going to do as well. Um, that goes uh, a little beyond the sports and the entertainment world as well. So uh, let's go ahead and do that. Uh, Kevin, I'll let you start. Well, I'll throw a quick player out there. Uh, I, you know, I wanted to just uh, say that I think the the preseason uh, that Nick Herbig had. I mean, Kenny Pickett was the Steelers' best player in the preseason, but Nick Herbig to me was maybe the best story because I didn't know anything about him coming out of college. He was Nate Herbig's brother. That's what I knew. Oh, the Steelers drafted another brother. They've got a whole bunch of brothers, uh, brother combinations on this team, um, and. And I remember talking to somebody, uh, a friend of mine, who's a big uh, University of Wisconsin fan. He's originally from Wisconsin and moved to New Jersey. And he follows University of Wisconsin. He's, and he was like, this dude is incredible. He's like, the only reason he lasted until the fourth round or whenever the Steelers got him, I think it was the fourth round, was because everybody thinks he's undersized. But he's like, he dominated Big Ten competition. And when you see him play, you're going to be blown away. And I was like, okay, you know, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, you know, I like like hearing that. But he was talking like a fan, and I just felt like, yeah, it's a little bit different when you get to the NFL. Uh, Nick Herbig has dominated the competition so far in the, in the preseason. And I know in the beginning of the show, we were saying, let's see how he does it against the ones, and that all rings true. But he looks like so much more of a complete football player than I ever imagined. And so – when I think about like the totality of the preseason, like what has been to me the most pleasant surprise or the biggest surprise uh, for me, it's his performance. So he's my dude of the week for the Steelers on the field. All right. Fantastic dude of the week. I love it. Let's I'm going to go outside of the realm of the Pittsburgh Steelers. There have some, there have been some celebrity deaths this week that, uh, you know, kind of hit me pretty hard. Um, I'm going to save one for last, but, uh, from the world of sports entertainment, uh, one of the greatest professional wrestling wrestlers of all time, Terry Funk passed away at the age of 79. Um, very devastating was the fact that, uh, a, uh, young wrestler who everybody was, was, uh, anticipating his return had a heart attack. Bray Wyatt, who was the, uh, son of, uh, you know, hall of famer, Mike Rotunda, if you remember uh, IRS and uh, Bray Wyatt um, who played the fiend was one of the most respected professional wrestlers in, uh, in the business age 36 passed away. Another one that I need to bring up and this, uh, and I actually feel in a way I told my wife, I'm like, Oh my God, I think I killed Bob Barker. And she, uh, she laughed at me and I'm like, Bob passed away at 99. And just on Friday, I'm look I I'm looking at something online that's like uh older stars that uh older actors and celebrities that uh that uh, you wouldn't believe how old they are and I saw Bob Barker and I saw where he, I think he was set to turn 100 in October and I'm like oh and I said out loud I'm like wow Bob Barker's going to make it to 100 that's awesome you know cuz Betty White fell fell short by like less than a month and, you know, that's a milestone you, you definitely want to see people get to. And so I said that out loud. And then I saw the news yesterday that Bob Barker, longtime host of The Price is Right, which I think everybody watched The Price is Right. I don't think anybody had an issue with Bob Barker unless you were a pet that did not want to be spayed or neutered. Um, <laughs> yeah, I but he was and younger. The younger generation know, knows him for beating up. Adam Sandler and Happy Gilmore. So with that, price is know, wrong, Brian. Yeah, <laughs> the price is wrong. 
But I, I got to tell you, an absolute legend passed away. And I think for all of our generations, our parents, our grandparents, us, our kids, a lot of people grew up with Bob Barker. So uh, rest in peace, age 99. Um, gosh, haven't got some good ones this week. Yeah, for sure. That was a, that was a good list, man. So, uh, so Okay. Well, well a somber note, but yes. Yeah. And uh, let, let's bring it back up. The Pittsburgh Steelers are playing football very, very soon. Two weeks from Sunday. So, uh, gosh, my gosh, 12 days away. We are going to go ahead and see the Pittsburgh Steelers play. Cut down day is today. This being Tuesday. So with cut down day, make sure that you uh, go ahead and check that out as well. And check out Steel Curtain Network for all of the cuts, all of the news. And remember, the past couple years, there's always been a move for the Pittsburgh Steelers, whether being a trade, there were two last year. They did not end up being epic. It was uh, Jesse Davis and Malik Reed. They ended up not being epic, but very interesting moves as, will the Pittsburgh Steelers make a move again, or will they trade somebody away? at the deadline, some of their depth away. So you never know what's going to happen, but you do know that Steel Curtain Network is going to have all that for you. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Kevin Smith, keep your feet on the ground, my friend. Keep reaching for those hypocycloids. Absolutely. 